Hello, everyone. Today, I had the chance to speak with Kendra Boston, the founder of Kokori, a digital application that supports educators and facilitators in implementing more experiential education. Kokori's app provides experiential education activities that are aligned with social-emotional learning standards, 21st-century skills, sustainable development goals, and higher teaching standards. We're recording today's episode in the Build Lab at Boston University, and I'm really excited to have Kendra on the show. Please listen if you're interested in learning about building a venture you're passionate about, and I'm excited to get started. So let's go. Hi, Kendra. Hi, Justin. How's it going? It's going well. Happy to be here. Yeah, thank you for being the first person in the Build Lab at BU. We just put together this uh, this little podcast setup. Um, it's pretty nice. I was surprised that they were willing to spend this much money because I asked them, but I guess you get what you ask for a lot of the time. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty surprised. But anyways, um, thanks for coming. Um, I did a little intro uh, before you got here. Um, so people know a little bit about the background of Kokori, um, the application, what it does. But I think it'd be helpful to maybe talk a little bit about yourself, um, your background, and, you know, how you arrived at this venture. Awesome. Yeah, I'm happy to share. Um, So I have a background as a school social worker. Um, That is where my heart is, I think always will be. And yeah, I never really had a, a plan or a dream of entrepreneurship, if that makes sense. Um, I sort of fell into the, you know, finding a thing that I couldn't not do. Um, So I fell in love with um, experiential education, Mm -hmm. which is a massive umbrella with a whole bunch of different, you know, things underneath it from inquiry-based learning to community service. Uh, The area that I found that was really powerful for the students that I worked with was um, collaborative team building activities. And so... As a school social worker, I really wanted to bring these activities to all classrooms um, to help teachers focus on prevention rather than reaction, which is sort of my job. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I ended up uh, just attending amazing conferences, amazing workshops. And at the end of one um, project in particular, Lori Frank's Journey Toward the Caring Classroom, we were asked to create a project that we needed for our space. What I needed in my office was easy access to these activities. So a ring of icebreakers, a ring of problem-solving initiatives, and um, as many ideas, I think, um, where the place where many ideas come from is um, I didn't want to make a ring <laughs> of icebreakers. I didn't want to yeah. spend a Saturday you know, laminating and cutting and printing, and I was like, what a pain. It'd be so much easier mm-hmm. if it was a platform. That's really where the idea came from. Um, The dream was to create a space where all educators, um, all facilitators could share their activities um, and we could all really work together to provide these activities for for all of us, if that makes sense. So that's where the the dream came from. Well, that's wonderful. I'm kind of wondering, how did people access curriculum I guess that's what you would call it right yeah. curriculum mm-hmm. how did people access it before was it just going on like message boards going on like reddit trying to find like cool ideas that people did like how did it work how did it work yeah so there are amazing books um mm-hmm. websites resources um so actually a number of like the books that have been created um some of those are now a part of the Kikori platform okay. but 
we all had our own, you know, our own files, our own folders. For me personally, and another reason why I created Kikori um, is I would go to these conferences, go to these workshops, and I would write down exactly what they did, you know, okay. what these awesome facilitators did, how they led these activities um, in order to bring them back to my classroom and my school with mm -hmm. my students. Okay. So you were creating your own little database over time, right? And just now it's on the platform. Okay. <laughs> exactly. And that's really, I mean, some of the underlying goals of Kikori is to be able to, yeah, just make it as easy as possible. Because for me, um, and, you know, lots of facilitators out there leading a, an experiential social emotional learning activity, it does take some skill and it does take some practice. And there are different ways to set it up. Mm -hmm. Um, to make it really meaningful for students. And so all of that takes learning. And so I would watch the watch the professionals, watch the folks who were experts at this and try to learn from them. Yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, I think it might be helpful if you might give a few examples of some of these activities, what it looks, what the platform is like to interact with, um, just so people can have a little bit of a better understanding. Absolutely, yeah. So right now, the platform has around 800 of these team building activities. So it's a database of these activities. Mm -hmm. um, when you log into an activity itself, you're able to see the materials that are needed, the energy level. So if students are, you know, sitting, moving, running, um, you're able to see the time that's needed for the activity. And then we organize the activities into a prep so anything you need to prepare for the activity, a play, the actual steps for the activity. And then there's a learn section where we have a reflect, connect, grow. So I'll go through each of those. Um, within the play section, you can see sort of how to play the activity. So I guess, you know, some fun examples are, you know, a lot of times we are telling our students that they need to learn how to communicate. They need to learn how to talk to each other. Mm -hmm. There's a big difference between telling students they need to do something and creating an experience or facilitating an experience where they get to practice that and learn that for themselves and be intrinsically motivated. So one of my favorite activities I used to do with students is called Sticks, Stones, and Bones by Chris Cavert, where two students sit back to back and they have the same number of blocks or really any type of materials as long as they have the same materials in front of them. One student builds a structure in front of them and then they instruct with only their voice the person behind them <laughs> to create the same structure. Have you played a game like this before? I haven't, but that seems really fun. <laughs> yes, yes. So it was one of my favorite games I used to use with my kids to help them practice. And so, I mean, there are so many extra pieces that go in here, which could be, you know, which could be academic as well, direction and geometry and shapes and colors. Yeah. Um, but the idea is that, you have to, you know, you have to speak, you have to explain what's in front of you. So explain your perspective clearly. Mm -hmm. um, you have to ask questions on the other side if you don't understand. And after you play the activity, you process and you say, what happened during the activity? So kids are able to see, you know, or adults, whoever's doing the activity, how well they did, how close they were. And then they're able to say, you know, oh, I didn't, I didn't understand what you were saying. Why didn't you ask? Um, yeah. I didn't, um, yeah, I didn't understand the way you were saying it. Oh, so maybe I need to say it in a different way. How can we get on the same page mm -hmm. as far as the way that we're communicating? That's the reflect section. When you connect, then you're asking, how does what happened in this activity connect to other times in your life? Mm -hmm. So are there other times when maybe someone was sharing with you about a tradition that they have 
or about their feelings and you didn't understand that. Um, and that's where you're actually able to pull out, you know, this is one sort of, this is one activity, um, in a container, but this happens all over the place. And then the grow is what can we learn? What can we take from this? So we can ask questions when we don't understand. Um, we can, you know, speak more clearly from our point of view. We can check in with each other. And these are all things that can translate into every single class, you know, an English class or math class, anytime mm-hmm. that you're working together on a project and recess. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's the idea behind the activities. <laughs> I I reflect back on my own like early education, and I think that when teachers made an effort to use these types of activities, just sort of out of the box learning um, opportunities, those were the opportunity. Those were the moments where I like remember and like reflect the most on like where I like actually like enjoyed school, honestly, like, because school is school is. School can be made fun in a lot of ways, I think, with, like, these types of activities, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, and I was, you know, I read your questions as before I, mm-hmm. as I was driving over here, and the thoughts that were coming to my mind um, is one of the most kind of influential figures for me is someone named Paulo Freire. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he had a philosophy that there are two different types of school. One is the banking model where we're depositing information in students' minds. So we're telling them, you know, top down, this is what you need to know. This is how you need to be. This is what you need to do. And the model that he believed in was where we're co-creating these ideas together with Mm -hmm. them. And I think that's the difference between, yeah, telling students, you know, or putting a a poster on the wall, which is important (laughs) and helpful um, to tell kids they need to work together versus creating an experience where they get to they get to experience it and be intrinsically motivated and, and actually have like a real world, you know, experience of what that is to help guide them. Yeah. Do you, uh, I kind of wonder why has, I kind of wonder why the status quo has been sort of so static in terms of not wanting to evolve. I think that I, I've seen, I have a younger sister, she's 15 and mm-hmm. I witnessed like, how she interacts with school and like, yeah, a lot of it's more online today, but for the most part, I don't see a lot of change in terms of what the curriculum was like. And it's kind of crazy because the world has changed a lot in the last five, six years since I was like in the same position as her. And I just, I kind of wonder what, what's your opinion on why it's so slow to change education in general? Yeah. I'd be curious where you go Mm -hmm. um, and what you see. I think that's, that's one of our, you know, big missions with Kikori as well is to democratize access Mm -hmm. to these types of experiential social emotional learning activities. I think that if when you go to the higher income schools, um, when you have smaller class sizes, all of those things that come along with, um, you know, privilege, Mm -hmm. that there is a lot more question asking. There is a lot more experiential education. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas in lower income communities, there's a, there is more top down, which is also a part of having, you know, 30 students in a classroom versus 20. There yeah. are different, you know, behavior management techniques. Probably the, stretched a little thin as well, right? The teachers. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, 100%. Um, I have a ton of empathy for teachers. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, yeah, there's, it's, it's easier to manage a group if you are running everything and guiding everything. Um, and I think that's, again, one of the reasons why we're building Kikori in the way that we are is to make it super easy mm-hmm. 
to bring these activities in, to lead these activities, even building in the reflection questions. There are lots of awesome games out there, but when you don't add on that intentional reflection, mm-hmm. you don't get the, you don't help students like get all of the meaning out of it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I think that there are, I think that there are a lot of programs, you know, in schools that do use these that do have this mindset. Mm-hmm. The other piece, yeah, the other <laughs> piece where, okay, so this is where I was going to go, um, is we are in this society in America looking for the quick fix. Mm-hmm. So we are looking for the magic pill, you know, whether that's in health, um, whether that's in, you know, lots of different places in technology, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the areas that we've really arrived at with Kikori is what we're hearing from teachers and schools across the country is these quick fixes, um, the videos, you know, the top-down approaches. Um, while they're easy to implement by pressing a button, we hear from people that they're not fun, they're not engaging, the teachers don't love it, the mm-hmm. students don't love it. And so there, there is a use for them. Um, I think that there's their wonderful, like, other curriculum that are out there, mm-hmm. um, but but it does take a bit of work. (laughs) And that's, I think one of the pieces that we share with schools um, is that, you know, in order to make real change, real transformative change, you can't snap your fingers. You Mm -hmm. have to put in a bit of the hard work. You've got to, yeah. Yeah. Put in the time and energy and Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not pressing a button. Isn't going to do what you want for your classroom. I would be a terrible teacher. It's (laughs) that sounds so difficult. Um, All right. Hello, everyone. My name is Justin Dorado, and welcome to Hey Founded, a show dedicated to providing young entrepreneurs with practical insights into creating and growing their startup or project. We feature Boston's premier entrepreneurs and founders to share the nitty gritty details of how they began and grew their venture. This podcast is intended for any individual interested in learning more about startups, entrepreneurship, or growing their venture. Whether you have never thought about business before or have already built a team and raised funding for your venture, there's something here for everyone. Thank you for tuning in. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask some of the questions I, I was planning on asking, Perfect. but, um, <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering a little bit, obviously you are incredibly knowledgeable and educated on this subject. I'm wondering when did that begin? Um, <laughs> like how long have you been learning about experiential learning and education? Sure. So as I have, you know, done different programs, um, educational programs, et cetera, I've done a lot of looking back as well. Mm-hmm. And it started in sixth grade. <laughs> okay. Started in sixth grade. All right. That's quite a long time. I don't think anyone can catch up with you. All right. Yeah. So shout out to uh, Mrs. Bongard. Um, Bongard? Mr. Yep. That's All it. Right, shout out. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Cole and Ms. Swedwa in sixth grade um, at the school where I grew up in, in northern Michigan, we had a week-long camp called Camp Rotary. Where we, I mean, this added on all of the um, the outdoors pieces as well, but we played team building games. I still remember, you know, spending, I don't know, two hours trying to get a ping pong ball into a bucket and the learning that sometimes you have to take breaks. Like, I still remember so clearly these activities. Um, but our sixth grade teachers did, used a lot of these experiential team building activities mm-hmm. as well as, you know, outdoors activities, et cetera. Um, to help us really grow um, and learn about ourselves as people. And I think that was a really influential, like, time in my life. Um, I ended up, yeah, becoming um, 
uh, school social worker while I was at the University of Michigan. Uh, one of my professors, his name is Gary Stoffer. Um, it was a course on the DSM-5, so different um, mental health, behavioral health dis disorders. In every single course, he is a trained professional in these experiential activities. He would bring these into our class. And okay. so that was kind of my first like formal introduction. And he actually brought us to the Association for Experiential Education International Conference in Montreal. And that was my intro. Um, I did a pre-conference, and there were 25 educators over three days, some of the best facilitators, in my opinion, led us through these activities. Um, and it just it stuck with me. Mm -hmm. um, I learned so much about myself and who I am and how I am. And I went back every single year while I worked in inpatient um, behavioral health hospitals for children and adolescents and then as a school social worker to this conference, as well as finding um, the team conference at Northwest in Chicago uh, was another place where I went to. But I did a lot of, yeah, just learning through conferences, um, workshops, you know, kind of signing up for anything that I could. And, um, yeah, ended up deciding um, if I really wanted to dedicate myself to this, um, that I would get a master's in experiential education. So mm -hmm. I did that through UW-La Crosse. Um, and then I've been at the University of New Hampshire the last three years getting a doctorate in studying um, all of the, you know, intricacies yeah. um, to uh, experiential education, creating how to create kinesthetic metaphors mm -hmm. um, with... I'll pretend like I know what that is. I know it makes me sound smart, right? <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> makes me feel dumb, actually. Have Have you ever um, Have you ever climbed a mountain? Um, no. I, I mean, I've like walked up a, a hill a few times. <laughs> climbed a mountain, like sure. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't, have you ever done anything that's been really challenging? Yeah, yeah. I've done some challenging things. I've got, I've gone like rock climbing. I don't okay. know if that counts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, when you're looking at the wall, mm -hmm. um, and you're, I mean, and you're overcoming like certain things, mm -hmm. have you ever thought about like, have you ever connected like you climbing that wall to like overcoming things in your life? Um, no, I don't think I have, actually. <laughs> Maybe I should do that more often. Is that helpful? If, yeah, so okay. if you had an experiential facilitator with you. <laughs> if then, I had, just had one. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. If they were, yeah, like, you know, belaying and mm -hmm. keeping you safe and holding you and supporting you through yeah. that process, um, then they may be able to guide you on some of the ways that you overcame those those holds. And Okay. And that's that's kind of what a kinesthetic metaphor is. It's when we, it's when we do something and we learn what we did in that in that action mm -hmm. um, and how it relates to how we are in our lives. Okay. I'm going to try and do that on my own. That sounds really interesting. Okay, great. Thank you. <laughs> I I feel like I got a lot I get a lot of tips from like looking on the Kikori website too cuz like I was I was just looking earlier and um, some of these activities like I don't know, I, do you ever extend them to like your life in general? Um like what's your favorite activities, I guess? <laughs> like do you play games with your friends? Sure. Yeah. So our favorite are the, the check-ins are my favorite, mm -hmm. which, um, so even the other day, it's really funny. I was walking to Starbucks and it's cold and <laughs> like, yeah. we, we work really hard, you know, <laughs> um, every day, all day for years. <laughs> and there was this like, so a nature check-in is where you find something in nature that represents how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And so I was walking and I saw like this dandelion 
<laughs> you know, and everything else is like dead and yeah. cold, and this dandelion is just like blooming. Wow. Yes. And it I, really stuck through it all. And wow. I exactly. Yeah. And so I took a picture and I was like, you know what? <laughs> like, yeah. That's wonderful. So that was sort of my representation. So, yeah, nice. we do a lot of um, internal weather reports as well. Okay. So. Nice. Um, so I, I guess I'm going to go to the next question because I'm kind of curious. I, I think that a lot of the entrepreneurs I have met, they either fall into one or two buckets. One is they just want to be an entrepreneur. And so they pick a problem and they kind of try to solve it, which is, I think, fine. And then um, the other is uh, have a strong working knowledge of that particular subject. And then they create a venture. Obviously, you fall into the, the latter. Um, I'm kind of wondering... What did you quickly have to learn as an entrepreneur when you want to tackle this challenge? And also, like, I know you said, you know, you decided it was going to be a platform and you knew that. I'm kind of curious. Okay, once you knew that, like, what were the first things you did? Did you contact? Who did you contact? How did you get started? Yeah, so as far as the two buckets, I would absolutely agree. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, yeah, and I think, you know, being passionate about solving problems is is a passion in itself. Mm -hmm. Yes, I was definitely the second bucket. Um, mm -hmm. And you use the word quickly, and that is where I would stop you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So, yeah, so the idea came, as I mentioned, at the end of, um, at the end of my journey toward the Caring Classroom course, mm -hmm. um, where I needed to create this thing for my own practice and the idea, and that was where the idea came from. At the end of that course, I said, I really love this community. I need this. Um, you know, it's so helpful to have this group of educators as we work through these like ideas and have these tools at our yeah. disposal. They said, oh, well, it doesn't have to end. There's a master's program. And that's how I got involved in that. So it was really throughout that entire year and a half master's program that I was talking about the idea, had the idea, you know, um, and that was actually where I met my co-founder, Bryn. Um, so as part of that program, we had a 10 day backpacking in the White Mountains in Wyoming, shared a tent together. Mm -hmm. And at the end of that, she said, you keep talking about this idea. Um, you say platform. It is a platform at this point. It started out as an app. Okay. Um, and she said, you keep talking about this app. I would, I'd love to help. I'd love to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And so that was the beginning, yeah. um, to be honest. And I don't know if you've ever seen, it's like, there's a really fun video. It's like one minute to a movement or three minutes to start a movement. Have you seen this video? Where they all start dancing. Have I told you about that? I, I've <laughs> seen this in, um, if anyone that's listening goes to be you, Professor Martin's class, he showed this video. Yes. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I love that video. It is the, and, and that video represents the beginning of Kikori, in my opinion, is, mm -hmm. you know, I'm a school social worker. I'm not really that tech savvy and yeah. telling, you know and I'm walking around and I'm like I'm gonna create an app people are like patting me on the head like that's nice <laughs> <laughs> I mean everyone's creating an app nowadays sure come on why not yeah there's exactly a, there's an app for that yeah um but yeah so Bryn saying that she wanted to join mm -hmm. that was the beginning and I don't know if anything you know would have happened without mm -hmm. you know having my having a teammate having a believer a little bit of momentum you got it. Right. Um, at that point, I actually uh, moved to Chile. Okay. Um, it was just a dream to mm -hmm. be able to spend a bit of time abroad. And while I was there, my goal was to work in international schools, actually leading these activities after I'd done all this education on how to do it, how to mm -hmm. be an amazing facilitator. Um, during winter, I was able to teach English to adults. 
And a number of my adult students ended up being developers um, involved nice. in business. And so that was the other, you know, that was the way that in my, you know, fascinating, <laughs> we call it our entrepreneur. Um, I, we ac I actually traded English lessons for app development hours for, you know, figuring out how to set up our website um, for learning the business model canvas. So I had a student who helped us with our entire first like value proposition nice. um, as well as trail running <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> through the Andes. That's, that sounds like an amazing experience. Wow. Okay. So Chile is where it all really starts. Yep. So there is a, uh, startup ecosystem and I probably, I mean, every country I imagine has their own. Yeah. Um, there is a program called startup Chile, which is an accelerator program. We applied twice. I got to meet tons of people that were part of the program. Never got in. Um, <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> oh, well, the second time I was positive I was getting in and actually read it, like read the website to find out if we got in in front of a whole bunch of startup Chile folks and went to the bathroom for my tears. <laughs> um, but I did end up joining. I found a co-working space in Santiago. Okay. And so through that, you know, learned lots of things about marketing and sales in Spanish. Um, and yeah, joined an accelerator program. Um, the Founder Institute. Okay. Do yeah. you think those accelerator programs were helpful in just helping you understand how to build the business? 100,000%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we, our motto is hashtag thanks Google. <laughs> um, Google was our, was our first teacher in entrepreneurship, but yes. Yeah. So the, there are a number of awesome accelerator programs and they guide you through each step of the business model canvas of customer discovery of, you know, go to market strategy, mm -hmm. all of these different pieces. And that was definitely essential for our foundation. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you kind of just proved anyone can figure out how to build a business. Um, <laughs> that's great. I, th I think it's interesting because it's, it's sort of funny. The hard part to me does not seem like figuring out like, okay, you need to like get team members. You need to like try and build a product. You need to try and sell a product. So what are you going to build? Like, and, um, well, and that's where that's first category versus second category. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's first category. You got to figure out what you care about. And mm -hmm. second category, you know exactly what you care about. Yeah. You just don't know how to do the business mm -hmm. side of it. No, exactly. Um, I'm kind of wondering how do you think, you know, how do you tend to approach problems, um, that you encounter? Um, this might be this might be too broad of a question, but I am wondering. You know, you probably encounter problems on a daily basis, right? And you have to try and figure out how to manage them and diffuse and block and tackle. Um, what are your methods? How do you try to, you know, take control of everything? Yeah. So I think one of the most important learnings our team has had this year is to look at a problem as an experiment. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the things that gets in the way, to be honest, is that there are a lot of feelings around solutions. Mm -hmm. And um, and so folks think, you know, well, this is what I would do. This is what I would do. Yeah. Um, so the first thing is discovery, mm -hmm. asking questions to your users. Mm -hmm. Period. That is, you yeah. know, above and beyond the only way to find out the real answer is yeah. to try things out and to ask the people who are using it mm -hmm. if it works or not. Um, but I think having a mindset of looking at looking at the problem as an experiment. So we put together three month, you know, quarter long experiments 
where this is what we're going to try and we're going to test it. Mm-hmm. And in that way, you know, I'm, it's not like you're right, you're right making a decision about that. It's, it's gathering the data and yeah. really looking at, looking at what happens. Mm-hmm. So you very much look at it as an experiment. I, I like hundred percent and it takes a lot yeah. of, it also removes a lot of the feelings again, because you know, you can get in, you can talk for hours about what you would do and what you do, yeah. but it doesn't matter what I would do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it matters. <laughs> no, it's, I, I've, I've had this conversation with a lot of people. It's funny because you'll start talking to someone about the business and then they'll start, like, even if it's a friend, they might start giving you like all this advice. And it's like, well, you're not my user. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, I appreciate your advice, but like, and like, even myself, like if I have an opinion about something we should do, right. Mm-hmm. I don't really, I don't, I don't let that opinion power over everything else and every other thing that I've heard a user say, like, I'm just a data point. Every single person's just one data point and you just have to aggregate them all together and understand what is, what are the patterns you're seeing, right? All right. Um, I'm, I'm really happy that that's the way you think about it. Um, and, and we've been doing this for years and that was in a place that we arrived at is after looking at, you know, the way that we work together yeah, and the difficulty in making decisions about mm-hmm. what to do, it really helped us change our mindset in, mm-hmm. in thinking about how we go about making decisions. Because, um, yeah, we're really good at having a whole bunch of ideas, but how do we, <laughs> how do we choose the one, right? Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I think something also sort of funny that I realized Kevin and I do is we'll, like, talk about an idea for, like, 30... We used to do this so much more but we'll just be like talking about an idea for so long. And then we're like, all right, we should probably like stop talking about it and just like at least Google it real <laughs> quick and like make sure like we actually have some background or understanding based on what we think we know we're talking about, but clearly we don't. Um, would you mind telling me a little bit about where Kokori is today? How many employees you have? Just like where the business is at? I'm curious. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a really exciting time for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we now have... Um, eight women who are part of our core nice. team. Yes, which is awesome. Um, we are in 28 schools and organizations. Congratulations. Have brought Kikori on. So nice. we are working together with Cambridge School District, for example, okay. um, which is really, really exciting. Mm-hmm. And let's see. Yeah, that's just building out. Um, the, the schools, right? The network, I guess, right? Okay. Yep, exactly. Yeah, so getting the word out. Um, we are building in some data into what we do. So collecting data, the four areas that we believe Kikori can improve are helping to save teachers time, mm-hmm. improving their confidence in planning and leading experiential SEL activities, as well as increasing student engagement um, and increasing a sense of community within the classroom. I saw on the website um, that you guys are working with the Chill Foundation. Um, yeah. I'm kind of wondering, how does Kokori kind of fit in um, within mental health? Yeah, so, oh my goodness. Um, so the Chill Foundation mm-hmm. is actually Burton Boards. Oh, um, okay. Foundation. That makes sense. I was wondering why it was called the Chill Foundation. That's cool. Okay. Yeah, cool. so they take youth on different trips on with board sports. And so That's they so use, fun. yeah, so okay. I think it's snowboarding, skateboarding, surfing. And they bring in team building activities to help build communities. So they use the Kikori platform and they have activities for on the mountain, on the bus, 
Um, That's so fun. Yeah, and they're able to find different activities. We support them as well in finding activities that make sense for kind of where they're at and the goals and the skills that they're working with their students on. They have their own values that they work together mm -hmm. with their students on. And so then they're able to use the, the activities for building community. Nice. Yeah. Um, I don't want to take too much more of your time. I just have one last question. Okay. Um, I'm kind of wondering, um, what's the vision for <laughs> Kokori? Where do you see the platform going? What are you most excited about? Yeah, so our vision, our vision is really big and it's really inclusive. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that's most important for us is that the activities that teachers are playing within schools represent all students and all teachers. Um, so Kikori is a community-driven platform. So that's one of our, our big visions is that we have activities that are culturally relevant, that are place-based. Um, we are building out the platform right now uh, as well as professional development. Uh, that's another piece that's really important is that it's not just the students experiencing these activities, but educators themselves through yeah. professional development, getting to experience it themselves. Um, the third kind of pillar uh, would be to connect, you know, organizations and programs like community-wide who are leading these activities, experts in these activities, helping them to connect with schools to really build like school, um, local networks, um, and then building in assessment or teaming up with assessment companies to really be able to measure this. Uh, and the, the final vision is being able to connect. We actually have I think users, three or more users in like 94 countries around the world. Oh. And so we'd love to have like sister schools um, where we're actually able to, you know, connect schools around the world and mm -hmm. build appreciation and learning um, through play with with different folks around the world. And I think the other thing that's important is for students here to be able to see activities. We have activities that are coming in from all, all around the world as well, but being able to see, you know, activities from Afghanistan and yeah. Brazil um, and Mexico, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Well, on the platform. that is all very cool. I'm excited for where Kokori is going to go. Um, would you mind just telling people where they can contact you, um, social media, anything that is helpful for you? Yes, of course. Yes. So find Kikori, www.kikoriapp. So that's K-I-K-O-R-I-A-P-P.com. Um, find me on LinkedIn. I am <laughs> Kendra Bostic. <laughs> um, let's see. Yeah, that's probably pretty helpful. Yeah, <laughs> find me on LinkedIn. Find me on find me on Facebook. Find us on Instagram. Um, our handles are all Kikori app, and we'd love to see you. Yeah, on Facebook, Twitter. Um, we do share out so our morning meeting activities and morning announcement activities are available every single morning, mm -hmm. um, through our Facebook platform, and we also have a Facebook community where you can come and ask your questions. Uh, if you're looking for an activity for something or want to share, then we'd love to have you be part of our community. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you. This is an awesome setup. And um, I think that what you're doing for entrepreneurs here in Boston is incredible. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you give us a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is Hey Founded, and you can also find us on Instagram. Thank you. <laughs>